2: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are doing well. And honestly, I must say I am so, so glad that you're here for this episode because I really think I'm on to something. I really think that a lot of people are going to resonate with this episode. So two main things we're going to talk about, but I think I'm just going to start out. I mean, this is obviously just like any other episode, a total stream of consciousness sort of diary entry. So I'm going to start out with just my general thought of the week, (laughs) what I've been struggling with this week pretty much, because that's like what all of the episodes are these days, just born from my struggle. But I think it's healing. It's good. I think any therapist out there would say it's good to talk about the things that are bothering you, the things that are on your mind, That maybe aren't the best things, and then figuring out where they came from and how to get through them. You know, I think that that's the true way to heal. I think that's how I've built myself into being so strong over the years. It's because I've identified those things that rub me the wrong way. I figure out why they do, and then I move on and I, you know, beat it to death a bit before then, but then I get through it. So, I would say right now my mind is in this like weird chaos. It could be because it's fashion week here in New York City and that brings forth a lot of emotions. It's obviously a time where a lot of brands are activating. They're doing a lot of shows. They're doing a lot of parties. It's like a very exciting, glittering time for fashion in New York City, but it's also very stressful For really everyone involved, I would say. (laughs) Like, literally everyone the models, the designers, the PR people, the set designers, the people going to the events, the people that are catering the events. Like, everyone right now in New York City that is involved in this industry is just stressed right now. And I, being just, you know, someone who attends these sorts of things, obviously doesn't seem like I would have the most pressured job, which I definitely don't. But I think when it comes to the influencer and creator community in New York City, it's been a lot of buildup in the past few months of just this overall kind of stress a lot of us have been feeling with just the industry really being centered here now in New York City. I mean, it always has had a part here. like It's been partially centered here in terms of brands doing things and People wanting to activate influencers and do TikTok campaigns and doing obviously New York City has always been a hub for a lot of things for literally every industry, music, for fashion in general, for film, not the only hub, but a hub for creatives. But I think recently in past, you know, year or two years, it's been a lot where there's just so much going on and there's a pressure to do everything. And if you don't, find yourself running in this sort of circle or having this sort of predicament, you can kind of equate it to just like whatever you do in your circle, your sphere of things, your corner of the world, just feeling this FOMO that takes over you and you think that you have to do it all to keep up appearances or because you fear what you will miss out on. This can apply to many things like, you know, spending even time with your friends or people that you surround yourself with that go out a lot and feeling like you don't want to go out with them but you feel like you have to because of the FOMO because of the FOMO the FOMO is ruining our lives that is not a new concept but with Fashion Week I have really been trying to focus less on other people and more on myself and just what I need to do to survive and to feel good and it does hurt when I see all these people going to like all these different fittings and I wasn't invited to those fittings. But then I think about it and I'm like, would I have wanted? Like, is this something that would have even sparked joy for me? Or is it because this other person's doing it and I feel like I have to keep up with them? Like, is it all just this race to keep up with each other? Are we all just trying to do that? And it's so hard, especially when you're in an industry that seems very new and you're confused most of the time. That's how I feel. But even in any other industry, if there's something going on, you feel like you have to do everything. You have to be everything for everyone. You have to set yourself on fire to keep everyone else around you warm or do all the things that people expect of you. If you feel any number of those emotions, this is a good episode for you because I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> I am. I'm I'm going to talk about it. But first, I want to talk about the like 75 vastly Different conversations that I've had inside my head, absolutely not out loud at all, but just fully inside my brain. The conversations that I've had with myself this week that have been so conflicting and so nauseatingly confusing because I just don't know what to do. (laughs) So pretty much it feels like I'm split in two. I am literally two human beings like stitched together. Like I'm two different people. I have two different brains right now one brain that thinks I can do everything and anything but like thinks of it in a positive way and the other side of me that's cynical and just wants me to break up and set fire and quit everything that I've ever done. Like it's just too totally bad, va- like very happy-go-lucky one side and then very cynical, dark, storm cloud other side. And I feel like that's pretty normal and that happens to many of us, but right now it's been at an all-time high and I don't know who to listen to, you know? Like it's been the left side of me. I almost think of it left and right. I don't know why. So if I'm saying left and right, that's why. It just like feels like one side. Left, right, left, right, you know? Two split personalities, two split ideals. And I just don't know who to listen to. That's really in a nutshell how I've been feeling. But it's like, you know, one side of me wants me to trim the fat and you know, consolidate my work because I do feel like personally, I have a lot of different things I work on. And I've discussed this before, being this multi-hyphenate person that I consider myself to be and many of us consider ourselves to be just someone who does a lot of different things, a jack of many trades, not just one thing. And while many people could find that to be something that's great, that is ideal, like something that you would really want to be as a person, Other people who maybe are living it could see it as being, well, if you take any one thing that I do and set it on its own, you just pluck it from the pile and put it on its own and look at it, it's not very good. Like, you know, I do a lot of different things, but do I do any one of those things well or just kind of well? And if you put it all together, maybe I am adequate, but if I just pull one thing apart – and look at it and compare it to someone who is really, really good at that one thing forever and always. And it's not just one of their many, but it's their thing, their shtick, their thing that they do. And you look at it, you just don't measure up because it's just a percentage. It's just a slice of the pie of the many things that you do. So <laughs> I just like went into a very passionate tangent on that. But I often toy with the idea of kind of rounding up all the things that I do and Quitting most of them and doing one thing, like just picking one of the things and working on doing that thing very, very, very well. So it becomes my thing. And I don't know why I'm so obsessed with that. I think I've just been over the years, maybe not conditioned to feel this way, but I think it all comes down to personal branding. And I think that in my mind, consider all the people that I really look up to and that I think are amazing. Maybe they aren't one thing per se, but they do have like one thing that they do very, very, very well. And maybe they don't even consider themselves to be doing that one thing, but I do. When I think of them, I think of that one thing that they do very, very well, and that is their brand, and it's inspiring to me. And I look at me, and I don't feel like I have that thing, and it makes me feel really insignificant. So sometimes that dark storm cloud side of me, let's call it the left side. I don't love my left side. (laughs) The left side of me is like, okay, perfect. Let's nix all these things and just focus on one thing. And Katie, you best believe you're going to be good at this thing. You're going to do everything you can and you're going to be amazing at this thing. TikTok, you're going to become amazing at TikTok because it's just going to be your thing or whatever, or I don't know, storytelling or just one thing. Stop doing all the other things and just pick one thing. Stop being a procrastinator. Stop being a scatterbrain. Figure your shit out pretty much. That's like what one side says. And then the other side says, well, you know what, Katie? Maybe your thing isn't just having one thing, it's having many things. And maybe it's good that you do all these different things or you have all these different interests or, you know, maybe you don't do any one of them particularly well or like amazingly, amazingly well to the point where you could like win an award for it. But all of it satisfies you put together. Like that, the equation of having it all together does satisfy you and that is good and that's all you need and that's enough. So it's just this balancing act of like, which voice am I gonna listen to today? The one side that tells me, oh, you know what, Katie, it's just, it's not your time to date right now. Like, you know, you see all these things that have gone wrong in your past, all these dead-end relationships or situationships or one-night stands, it's not your time. You know, you've heard stories about people who've met their significant other on dating apps, but just stop trying because you're not gonna be like them and they're much better than you in this way and that way. And you might as well just give up. And that's one side. Or the other side that's like, Katie, you know what? You never know what'll happen if you just try. Like, I picture one to be just this, like, angry, crotchety old man. And then, like, the other side, maybe not a man because, you know, my voices should be female. But just some crotchety, kind of dark, like, almost like the villain from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves with a big hood. And then the other version of me to be, like, the fairy godmother, sprightly, happy, positive version of me that's like, you know what, Katie, get yourself out there and try because you never know what will happen if you just, you know, sprinkle a little fairy dust on it. And it just, it's so interesting how I can disagree with myself in five minutes from now, like just depending on which voice that I listen to, <laughs> like, it's just, I always feel like I have a different game plan based on which voice I'm listening to. Like, I just, I don't know. It feels very conflicting. It's very chaotic. And it's just one of those things where I think it's just something that's human you know because we think we know what's best for ourselves sometimes but what voice are we even listening to
1: today's episode is brought to you by Angie Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well let me tell you there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you you watch them do it the right way and you go thank god I didn't try to do that myself <laughs> i have fully
2: So that was kind of a dramatic reenactment of just several of the things that have been floating around in my head this week. Just two of many. I don't know which of these thoughts to nail down and go with and which to throw out. It's so challenging to be choosy with your decisions, to be judicious and acting not out of fear and worry, but out of what is actually right and good to do for us and no one else. Just us. Like what is right for me and what might be right for someone else that maybe I can think is good for me in a second or like in one second of just mulling it over briefly, but maybe in the long run, it's not good for me. This past weekend, it was Labor Day. I was out on the boat with my family and I felt very at peace, I always do. When I'm home, I'm really lucky in that way. Being home in Maryland just feels like this warm hug, kind of just like I'm suspended in time, like time isn't passing almost because it just feels like a nice little break. It's a nice little hiatus from the city buzz. It's like this warm, fluffy towel after a shower. I heard that Lime is written in one of um Ellen Hilderand's novels. She had this like romantic interest. Wrap the um uh, the main character in this furry, fuzzy towel after a shower. And I was like, that is the kind of love that I want. And that is the kind of feeling that I want. Always, like just that warm, cozy feeling of it's okay, it's gonna be okay, everything's okay. Anyway, so when I'm home, I feel that way. I feel like this warm, fuzzy, hot tea on a cold day sort of feeling, but it's pretty fleeting. And it's kind of, (laughs) I don't know why this is the first thing that popped into my mind when I thought of like a fleeting good thing is a one night stand. And yes, I did just equate my parents' house, like being home in Maryland to a one night stand. Don't tell them I said that, but it's this fleeting feeling only because towards the end of my stay in Maryland, I know in my soul, I know deep down that it's time to come back to the city. Maryland, it is this soothing, nice place for me now. It never used to be like that because I had like a tumultuous, not childhood, but when I was a young adult, like I had some hard times in high school and it did taint the area for me for a while. But now that I've been able to go back and make better memories as an adult, it's been so much better. So I have a fond feeling, a fond thought when I consider Maryland and when I go home. And it is a place that I love, but it is not a place that challenges me anymore. I've grown out of it. It just does not challenge me as much as New York challenges me. And with each passing year living here, it's been almost four years of me living here consecutively like not considering my internships and random little stints. But living here, it's been about four years because you know what the LA phase, we don't really talk about the LA phase. We don't think about it because it was just during a weird time. I still consider my time in New York to have been like about four years, maybe three and a half, we'll say. But With each passing year or even half a year, I learn so much about myself. I get so much stronger, not only physically because I'm lifting weights, but also mentally, emotionally. Every time that I am disappointed here or burned here, it is like a brand to the heart, to the soul. I am like, this is just making me better. And I feel that. I know that so deeply. I know that out of all the decisions I've made, some that I – regret, some that I'm happy I did, some that I'm not sure about. I know that this decision, moving to New York City, was one that I made for me and I'm happy about and I'm proud of and I continue to be proud of every day. And that is a good feeling, but it is a feeling that I don't feel about every decision I've made or a lot of the decisions I've made, (laughs) to be honest with you. So back to Maryland, when I was home, we were out on this boat cruise, it was like sunset time. And I'm sitting there just looking out at the river, looking out at my, or one of my homes, I guess, a place that I don't choose to stay all year round, but I come whenever I need a nice little breath of fresh air. And I saw this bird come absolutely out of nowhere, dive right down into the water and scoop up a little fish. And it wasn't like after it got this fish, it wasn't struggling under the weight of its dinner in its mouth. It just soared so effortlessly up out of the water and totally out of sight. And I was the only person that saw this. Like, I feel like my parents, my sister, like, did not see this happen. I was further up and I saw it. And I dug out my phone from under me and I made a note to talk about it in this episode. Because it was just a really like, you know, little things happen sometimes and you're like, that was a moment for some reason. I don't know why it was a a moment or why it was something that's going to stick with me, but it, it was. And I think that I was just going through it in this moment of just a lot of emotion, a lot of just stress. And I thought about this bird. Like this bird was not weighed down by deadlines, by bills or timelines or other people's opinions of them. And what they should be doing. It was a self oriented, self motivated bird. Totally just like in survival mode. Survival mode is its sole motivation in this moment. Like, do birds even feel joy? I feel like they do, but, or do things out of joy. Like, do they act out of joy? Maybe like chirping or singing or something. But I bet like survival, just like trying to survive, doing what they can to supply the things that they need to survive probably makes up about 90% of their focus and their time and their tiny brain power, you know? And it's not a new concept being free as a bird, soaring through life by the seat of your pants, no ties, no commitments, not trying to squeeze yourself into someone else's expectations of you. But when I was considering all this and just toying with the concept of freedom and birds and commitments and expectations and all this stuff just like muddled into my brain, My mind kind of just went to, and I don't know why, but to child stars, child actors and child actresses. These children that are thrust into stardom at such a young age and are expected to just continue rising, continue grinding. Like before these kids have even lost all of their baby teeth, they are coaxed by their parents, by many full-grown adults a lot of them with dollar signs for eyes, pretty much, to leap into their next project. Like, what's going to be next? Like, continue rising, continue starring in shows, continue making music. If you're in a show, you might as well make songs now. Like, I'm picturing these child Disney stars and, you know, Nickelodeon Disney stars. The Hillary Duff's of the world keep rising or prepare to be fodder for the media like, you know, all the things that you've ever done wrong in your young, young, young life, or be known as this has been a one-hit wonder, a child star turned whatever. It's interesting when you think about it that way. But today I wanna talk about, this is kind of leading into like number one, that the first topic of business, like halfway into the episode, but I wanna talk today about personal autonomy, which pretty much is the ownership that we have over ourselves, like the capacity to decide for ourselves. And I actually found, I wrote this down, the word autonomy is taken from ancient Greek, and it means self-legislation or self-governance. Personal autonomy basically says, you know, I'm in charge of making my own decisions. I'm responsible for acting on those things that I want, you know, that I am passionate about, that I actually want to do. Autonomy is independence. It is freedom We all want this. We all want freedom to decide and choose. And when we don't have that ability, we suffer, you know, in some way, shape, or form. And this is an obvious fact. It all goes back to our desire to control things in our lives. I talk about this all the time. When we don't feel in control, most of us resort to panic and acting out of panic. And once again, this is all rooted in history, in evolution, in instinct, those beings and those early humans that were more in control of their day-to-day lives and able to outsmart and outplan predators and neighboring tribes survived plain and simple you know those who weren't well planned or well strategized just did not survive and that's on that you know we want the creative control of our own stories and that makes perfect sense it makes sense it really does I'm gonna link this article that I found on this subject in the show notes, but it mentioned that there's this study that surveyed doctors and it asked doctors what is the greatest source of dissatisfaction in your day to day, in your workday as a doctor. And many of them cited that it wasn't, you know, having to deal with insurance companies or paperwork or like those kind of tedious things. But it was actually the lack of control that they feel they have over their daily schedules or they feel they don't have control over their day-to-day schedules is the least satisfying part of the job, the greatest source of dissatisfaction for doctors, which is interesting to me. You know, paperwork, there's a lot of stuff that doctors have to deal with, maybe even like just the grueling, being on your feet all day, maybe all of it feeds into that, but the fact that they just don't have control over which patients are they seeing today like that is a great source of dissatisfaction for doctors <laughs> interesting so if personal autonomy like i said that ability to act out of our own desire and make our own decisions personal autonomy if this is what we want Why then? Why? This is just the great question of the episode, the great question that I combat every single day. Why do we get ourselves into such sticky situations where we feel we have no control and find it very hard to get ourselves out of these sticky situations? Like, how do we get ourselves into these situations to begin with? Because a lot of them are not bred or not formed from the things that we want, the things that we desire, the things that we think are right. A lot of times we just fall into them. And how does it happen? You know, of course, sometimes it's out of necessity, out of survival, like the birds. But other times I think that our desire for pleasing others, obviously, and keeping up with the Joneses trumps making decisions based on what we actually want to do and we actually think is right and like actually self-governing ourselves in a good way you know perhaps we're afraid of this suffering that i've talked about or of poverty or pain but also maybe we're just really good at blurring the lines and convincing ourselves that other people's desires other people's timelines For The things that they do can be ours. They can be our own. We can make them our own. We can buff out their name and write ours. If we just, you know, stare at it long enough, like if we want it to be our story, we can. We just have to, you know, fit the part, right? I love listening to podcasts where it talks about like this person's rise to fame or like this is how they got really good at what they're good at. A, a lot of podcasts do this now. The interview podcast where it's like, okay, let's go through your entire story and figure out where you went right and where you went wrong and teach people how to do both things, how to do right and how to avoid doing wrong, right? Like you hear people's coming to fame, coming to success stories, and it's inspiring for us. Like it's inspiring for me. It's inspiring for many people. That's why people do it. So we hear these stories and we do our research into these people that inspire us, into these people we want to be. And we think, oh, you know, these people seem really happy where they are and they seem successful. So maybe I can convince myself that what they want and what they did is also exactly what I want. To a T, no adjustments. I have to do this exactly how they did it. And we spend so long convincing ourselves that it just becomes this habitual thing. And it sneaks its way into the threads of our daily lives. And it's hard to sift through, guys. It, this is where it gets tough. It's like, it's hard to sift through all the things that we do and think and decide on in a day. Like, think through all those things and identify which of those things that we decide on or the things that we do, which of these things are born from like the true desire that comes from only us, like you know, what we think is right, maybe based on things we've heard from other people and but us kind of taking all the information that we've seen and heard and f- making our own informed decision based on what we know will be best for us, which things are born from that and which things were copy and pasted from other people without any processing and just, you know, here we go, like copying and pasting from Wikipedia for a school paper when you know it's wrong, <laughs> Like, but we're just tired, you know. <laughs> Our brains play tricks on us sometimes. Sometimes we can't even trust ourselves and figure out which things we're doing because of other people, which things we're doing because we actually want to, because we actually think it's good for us. You know, this complicates things. Like, am I hustling because I want to hustle or because I think that it's trendy and like other people are doing it, so I should do it. Like, I should jam pack 75 things into my day because it sounds nice and people will think I'm cool. Or do I think I'm actually thriving in this type of life, you know? like what really genuinely truly sits right with me like what are these decisions i'm making i'm like so proud of i am inspired by deeply and it's not just a copy paste job you know but once we realize what those things are that we're doing just because other people are doing them or because maybe we're acting almost what's the word where it's like wishful thinking okay like, I, if I act like this long enough, fake it till you make it sort of thing. Like, if I do this long enough, maybe eventually I'll decide this sits right with me and not just other people or other people are expecting me to squeeze myself into this mold and do this thing. Like, but once you realize those things, like, okay, I do, you know, several things every once in a while or every single day that don't sit right with me, that I'm doing and it could be a bad habit, but it's something that maybe other people love about me or other people are doing and are doing just fine with this sort of bad habit. And I'm not talking about like smoking cigarettes or, you know, it could be that. But I'm saying like just, I don't know, creating certain kinds of content maybe is an example that maybe other people thrive with and love doing. But you're like, this just isn't bringing me joy. I'm doing this just because people expect it from me. Or Going to this like activity doing this activity that I just don't really but you know, it looks cool It looks good on paper Like, you know, I don't actually like going to concerts, but i'm doing it because it looks good in my instagram stories or i'm friends with this person And maybe other people think that they're cool, but I just don't think that they're a good person and I don't vibe with them or I, you know, or I have this job and other people think that this is a cool job, but I just don't like it. You know, there's a million different scenarios, but once you realize it, once you realize it, that's not the end of the battle, okay, because it's only the beginning, really, because then you realize, well, I just, you know, I can't get rid of this thing. It's really hard and it's uncomfortable I think it's really hard to act from the heart sometimes because, and it's kind of hard to put this into words, it's kind of like this fear that we have of an empty space or like what comes after. Like if we were in a perfect world able to act fully motivated by ourselves and our desires and eliminate something in our life that is not following that tune, right? Like something that We do, you know, that we're not fully aligned with, that we do maybe because of other people or we do because we think that we want to be someone else, you know? It would leave this kind of gaping empty black hole of sorts, like fully visible to everyone else. That would expand every single day until it basically swallows us up whole like that is what I think oftentimes when I consider eliminating something from my routine because it does not serve me anymore eliminating someone from my life that does not serve me anymore or just like consolidating in any way and it feels uncomfortable to consider like this gaping black hole where it once was you know. Like, what if I make a massive mistake? What if I regret getting rid of this thing? Like, I see it of like as, like, getting rid of. And you know what? It's not that at all. It's not. You know, removing something from our lives that does not serve us anymore, a job, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a city, a home, a bad habit, it does not leave an ugly, jagged, ripped out remnant of a page, you know, like when you're ripping out a page from a book it doesn't leave that. It leaves this beautiful blank page for us. It's not something that should be so scary. It's like an empty apartment. It's an empty apartment when you first moved in and there's no holes in the wall. Everything is fresh. It's empty. It's shining almost with that like polished floor and white wall. And you get to start from scratch And that really should be enough of a motivation for many of us, at least for me. Like I – when I'm toying with the various things that I want to do or like a a job that I want to quit or a person I want to stop associating with or even just like a habit that I have that I want to kick, a bad habit of just even something just fully inside of my mind that I do, that I spiral, things like that, you know, or the way that I – I I have relationships with other people if I'm a yes man. Like there are certain things that are just bad habits that just many people carry with them. It's like this invisible weight that they carry that no one else can see, but they can see it. You know, many of us hold on to these things though that serve no purpose for us anymore. And we carry it around because it is uncomfortable and it could put us in a bad spot, maybe just maybe if we put it down. Like what if we regret what we choose to do? But here's the thing. It's one thing to experience regret when we do something based on what other people have done, motivated by other people's advice to us or not to us at all, just like other people's stuff, okay? Other people's actions, other people's advice. It's one thing to experience regret when we do something based on this, but it's a whole different sort of pain and regret and bad sort of feeling knowing that the only person that you can blame Is yourself. So it's a gamble, and that's why not many people do it because it's a lot easier to blame other people when things go wrong than to blame yourself and try to figure out how to solve or how to, you know, make things better again on your own. So that's why not many people listen to their own instinct and why I struggle, why many people struggle doing the right thing for themselves because that means putting everything on their shoulders if it goes wrong or like you double or nothing you're gonna lose it all you know it's like you're entering some sort of I don't know lottery or contest or I guess maybe like a there's a million dollar question and someone else like one of your friends someone you look up to it's like them telling you the answer that they have like what they think the answer is to this question that's a really good answer you know and you're like oh okay this is a good answer but you choose not to take their advice and you use your own judgment instead only to lose. You know, like that is kind of what it's like. Like you use your own judgment and you lose. You should have taken their answer. You should have done that. But on the flip side, think of the joy and the pride that swells in you when you and you alone were responsible for a good thing, for a decision that you made that proves to be fruitful. That's the best thing that's ever happened to you. And your instinct is to thank you, your instinct, your choices, your desires. Like, that is a good feeling. It's interesting to think about the fact that, you know, everyone is just out there kind of grappling with the same decisions to some extent, either they kind of say this in their head, like, am I choosing me, my wants, or choosing them, their expectations? Like, that is something that I struggle with and that many other people are just walking around. I can't tell what's going on in their heads, but they're grappling with the same sort of decisions or they're kind of having the same, very similar thing of the left person and the right person, the left voice and the right voice telling them two different things and they can't figure out what to do. You know, it's something that a lot of us experience. And yesterday. I was kind of, you know, beginning the thoughts on this topic. And I was sitting on the train because I was um, actually going downtown to Fideye. I was going to Fideye to get my laptop, which you might think is weird. I wasn't getting it repaired or anything. I actually had left my laptop in Maryland. Like I was in such a daze getting out of there for some reason. I don't know. I was just tired and like Labor Day and I was stressed about it. I was going to the U.S. Open that night, so there's a lot going on. And I left my laptop behind in Maryland. So luckily my friend Adam hadn't left yet, so my parents gave the laptop to him and I just – You know, moseyed on down to Fideye to get it from him. So there I was. I was on the train on my way back. I had my laptop in tow and I'm sitting on the express subway train just looking out the window. And there's always this, or not always, but often this moment on subway cars where another train might come up like right next to your train and you see this quick flash of the passengers and the other train through the window and it lines up perfectly to your window so you kind of just get this quick little flash of like two to three people sometimes unless it's a really busy moment but like at this hour there was like two to three people just sitting there you know just minding their own business on their phones zoned out and then oop they're gone Like you see those three people's faces for five seconds and then you'll never see them again in your life. But those people's lives will go on even though you don't have any exposure to what they're doing. Like these people will continue on. They'll get off the train ultimately. They'll, you know, go to work. They'll get promoted at work. They'll get fired. They'll get married. They'll get old and they'll get gray and they'll move and they'll die and you'll never get to see any other detail of their lives aside from that three-second flash. But each of those people that you saw in that quick moment also likely struggles with choosing themselves, with what I just said, with making decisions in their lives and figuring out which are Motivated by them and motivated by their moms or their dads or their siblings or their spouses or their neighbors. I don't know, whoever influences them, their favorite YouTube star. You know, what things do I actually like? What things do I want? What do I actually want to do with my day, with my life, with my, I don't know, with my talents? I don't know. And all those sorts of questions just float around in their heads and probably are at that, you know, that given three second flash that I saw, maybe they were thinking about that. At the same time as me I would never know But maybe they are I don't know why I'm even sharing this part Because this could just be Like a total like Just word salad But It's something I think about You know We're all in this together We are So Second little tidbit Second little kind of thing There is this concept called self-determination theory, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I recently relearned about it or learned more. I'd heard the phrase, but I didn't really understand it. So I wanna share a little bit about it because it's fully, completely related to personal autonomy and decision-making and what fuels us, you know? So according to self-determination theory, People need to feel three things, like three specific things in order to achieve psychological growth, or in other words, to feel like they have their shit together, to feel mostly at peace in life. And these three things, they, they keep us afloat. They keep us motivated to do things and to just, I don't know, do life, okay? So here are the three things, and this is huge. Number one is Autonomy obviously. I told you it was related. It's pretty much like the same thing. So you need autonomy. You need to feel in control of your own behavior and your goals. Huge buzzword there being control. You know, the sense of being able to take direct action that will result in real change. This plays a major part in helping people feel self-determined and, you know, feel like they have their shit together. Number two is competence. People need to gain mastery of tasks and learn different skills. When people feel like they have the skills needed for success, they're good at certain things, they are more likely to take actions that will help them achieve their goals. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's like, you know, if you feel like you're well equipped, if you have all the tools, you have your bag packed and ready to go, and you have everything in there that you need to go to school, like, you know, it's just one of those things that When you feel prepared, you do better. You know, when you feel like you've prepared for a speech, you might do better, but or you might think you'll do better, but who actually knows? You'll feel better about it at least. Anyway, number three is connection. People need to experience a sense of belonging and attachment to other people. Connection. So these three things put together, autonomy, competence, connection. You need all three things to essentially... Feel like you've grown psychologically to a place where you can really master your life. You can feel at peace. You can feel afloat and you feel motivated to do things and to conquer the world and to, you know, create your kingdom and your or whatever your empire (laughs) like these three things. So I'll link the article that does an amazing job of unpacking all this and wrote a lot of the words that I just said. I just paraphrased, but it also says this it says, by way of example, Imagine a person who fails to complete an important project at work. You're at work, something important, you've slipped your mind, you just didn't do it, you know, and your, your boss is screaming at you. If this person who did this, who failed to complete this important task, is high in self-determination, they will admit their fault. They'll believe that they can do something, though, to fix the problem. They're like, I'm wrong, but here's what I'm going to do to fix it and i fully believe that i can fix it and they'll take action to correct the mistake so people that are high in this self-determination meaning they you know they feel that like they're in control of their behavior and their goals they feel like they have the skills and they have what they need to succeed and they feel like they belong or they have this attachment to other people all of this is in check so they're able to admit that they were wrong and feel like they can and will do something to fix it. If that same person was low in all of these things in self-determination, they might instead look for other things in the scenario, you know, to blame for the problem. They might make excuses. They might assign blame to someone else or just refuse to admit that they... Did anything wrong and the article says more importantly perhaps is that this person won't feel motivated to fix the mistake instead They might feel helpless to control the situation and believe that nothing they do will have any real effect So obviously we want to be the first person we want to be the person that admits that they're wrong and does something to fix it. But obviously, it's easier said than done to be that person. But I do agree that if we have these three things, like that I'm now going to like write on a sticky and put it on my bathroom mirror, autonomy, competence, connection, feeling like you're in control to some extent. And like, here's the thing, control, obviously, if not everything that is happening in your life, that's impossible. But you can feel in control of your own behavior and your goals if you are judicious in choosing them, selecting them wisely, And not accepting things that don't fit into not your plan, but into your moral compass, into what you know to be right. Like, I just wanna make it clear that obviously I know it's not possible to control everything, and a lot of things will enter your life, and you have to say yes to certain things that might not even sit right. Sometimes, depending on necessity and what you need to do to survive, like I said. But to some extent, we know when something is creeping into our life that we don't want it to be there, but we're doing it to either people, please, we're doing it because it's uncomfortable to say no, or it would burn bridges and we're scared of what will be left behind if the bridges burned, like will we have any legs to stand on? There's a lot of fear. And I think that once we identify those things that we're doing out of fear, you have no choice but to get rid of them or to figure out a way to shift the narrative to favor you, your desires, your hopes, your dreams, your moral compass, what you know to be right and what you know to benefit you. It's so hard to figure this out, but I think that the more that I f- identify these things and question myself, ask myself, why? Why am I doing this thing? Why am I doing this thing if it no longer serves me? Why do I have this person in my life that no longer serves me? Am I just tiptoeing around trying not to ruffle feathers, like what is the reason? Once I figure out the reason and realize that the reason is coming from the parts of me that I'm not proud of, I focus on how can I shift into those things, like into the foot that I'm proud of, into the part of me that I'm proud of, how can I shift into that? What will it take? What do I need to do? How do I need to adjust and take inventory and stock of my life and shift some things around, you know? So that, my friends, has been a little conversation on a few things, self-determination theory, autonomy, competence, connection, and personal autonomy, both things kind of layering into each other, but just like the human need for control of our lives, the ability that we do have to make our own decisions rooted in our desires and our hopes and our dreams and what we know is right in our morals, the possibility that we can act in that way, but the occasional slippage that happens where we come to a crossroads Of sorts, And we don't know if we're sinking into a bad place. Did we take a wrong turn? Is this thing that I'm doing right or is it wrong? And oftentimes on one day you might think it's right and on one day you might think it's wrong. And it's about kind of just tallying it up and figuring out what these things are that more often than not feel wrong and feel like they just aren't a match. They don't fit into our story anymore maybe they once did but they don't anymore and maybe i'm keeping this thing in my life or doing this thing out of just a want to please other people to keep up appearances or because it's worked for someone else you know <laughs> anyway guys interesting interesting conversation today or I guess one-sided conversation that I've had with you guys and hopefully something from this has resonated but thank you guys for listening and I will talk to you all next week next Thursday be here or don't be here um I'll be here (laughs) hope you guys enjoyed I'll talk to you guys next week bye